you've been learning about value investing, finance, just regular investment for a while now, but you don't know where to go next. You're getting confused about the vast amount of information on the internet. You don't want to waste your time on crap information. You want good information um, and reliable information. In this series of videos on value investing and finance education, you will find those answers to those questions and much more. My name is Jason Rivera. Welcome to Value Investing and Finance Education. Hey, Jason here in the outside office again. My daughter's still not back at school um, as I'm recording this. So, my outside office today, I want to talk about, kind of get back to the My Thoughts series that we were doing for a while. Uh, and in this video, I want to talk about my thoughts on stock screeners. Um, one of the first questions I get asked by pretty much every newer investor, even intermediate and sometimes advanced investors, do you use stock screeners? The answer now and probably for the last five years maybe, three, four, five years, um, is no. When I first started, I use stock screeners pretty much exclusively. Now I don't use them at all, um, at least in the traditional sense. What? So first off, what is a stock screener? Because this is let's let's back up a little, little bit. What is a stock screener? A stock screener helps you you put in criteria like price to book under a certain amount, market cap over a certain amount, uh, volume over a certain amount. Lets you put in criteria, a bunch of different criteria um, to help you find stocks to research or find potential investments. That's basically what a stock screener is. The reason I don't use or the reason I did use stock screeners in the past was frankly because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I didn't know what criteria I required. I didn't know what criteria told me important factors about the company. Um, and I hadn't developed my own investment processes at that point. I was pretty much when I first started learning what other people in books or videos or whatever I was learning from said to look for. Uh, good looking ratios and or their version of good looking ratios, their criteria of good looking ratios and I would put that in a stock screener and spit out stocks and I would kind of go from there. Most of the time when I first started I didn't even know what the company did for business. Um, and I just went based off of what the very, and this was probably, geez, almost 10 years ago. Um, I don't remember the, I don't even remember the name of the book, but it was a book where it listed like 20 different criteria, 20 different metrics. And if the company fit these certain metrics, it was a good investment, at least by his criteria. Uh, he said, if you invested in these stocks over time, you would do well in the stock market. That may or may not be true. I don't frankly know because I don't use that anymore. I do in-depth research on every company I look at. Um, there's lots of nuances in what I do now, frankly, because my investment knowledge is a lot more advanced than it was then. Um, and I've come up with my own thought processes and investment process, what I require, what I require from a good investment. 
the reason I don't use stock screeners now is for part of those reasons, but mainly because the criteria I use now, frankly, a stock screener won't, at least any stock screener I know that's available. Um, main one I've used in the past is finviz.com, which is actually a fantastic kind of research tool. But it doesn't, it eliminates and doesn't show a lot of the companies that fit my criteria because again there's nuances i don't have a strict criteria company has to be selling under book value of two or i won't look at it um, there's nuances depending on industry depending on operational efficiency and their margins depending on if their industry if book value is even important whatsoever in their industry um uh all these kind of things go into my thought processes now so, and that's just one example. Um, that's pretty much the main reason I don't use stock screeners now, though, is because my criteria is so nuanced now, and there are kind of gray areas. I would say more, not necessarily, uh, yeah, more gray areas is probably fair. Uh, more gray areas, uh, for example, a company that I've owned for years, its margins have dropped substantially over the last several years, and if I were to research it today, I probably wouldn't buy it today. But... Having said that, I'm probably not going to sell it anytime soon because they just did, uh, completed an acquisition, which lowered their margins, raised their debt levels in the short term, um, those kind of things. So these are all, again, there's nuances. I don't look for specific if a company doesn't have a 10% ROIC, I don't buy it. If a company doesn't have a, again, price to book is a very common usage in um, value investing. I don't really care much for book value at all, frankly, unless it's an insurance company. Um, price to book is important. Um, what else? I mean, price to book is a very basic kind of look at a very conservative look at the company's valuation. Yes, I'm an ultra conservative value investor, but there's more to evaluating stocks a lot more than just price to book um and companies being under a price to book of one or two um which is typically what you'll see you want most value investing kind of resources will say if a company has a price to book under two it's a, it might be a good buy uh, is typically something you may see in that kind of situation um i think one of the companies i was looking at the other day has a price to book of almost nine uh, but they are, they don't really have many hard assets. Uh, they're mostly a software based company, uh, which price to book doesn't matter at all for a software based company. So if a company has a price to book value of nine and they're a software based company, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really tell you really anything. Uh, so again, there's nuances to all of this. Uh, but those are the main reasons I don't use stock screeners anymore. The process I use now instead of stock screeners, or actually, before I get to that, let me, the only time I really use stock screeners anymore is I get a list of, say, every company in a certain industry under $500 million market cap, or as an example. Then I'll research those companies one by one by one. That's pretty much the only time I use a stock screener is for that basic criteria just companies under 500 million dollars 
in a certain industry, then one by one by one, I do my preliminary analysis and research them one by one. Um, and that's how I do all my research now. Uh, if you've watched the case study series that we're doing, I find lists of ADR companies in that is in that particular series, uh, Filipino and Australian companies thus far. Get every company on the list, go one by one by one, and try to find great investments. That's what I do. I did this with uh, the OTC markets list. I pared it down from over 20,000 companies six years ago or so. Got rid of the Chinese companies, Russian companies, um, banks, oil and gas, uh, gold miners, silver miners, uh, companies, pharmaceuticals, companies I don't understand and don't want to evaluate and don't Countries where I don't necessarily want to be invested right now. <clears throat> and I literally, again, one by one by one, people, I tell them this all the time. And they just look at me like I'm crazy. They don't, frankly, <laughs> it looks like they don't believe me though when I tell them, but that's literally what I do. Uh, because of the process I've developed on the preliminary analysis checklist that I've developed, it allows me to save an enormous amount of time by going through companies like that, it's still very time consuming, but you learn a ton. First of all, you learn a ton of different new industries. Uh, you find companies that others won't find because they're not looking in the right places and they're using stock screeners, which will eliminate most of these companies. And again, you'll just learn a ton. Uh, going through company after company after company after company in different industry, uh, you learn industries. Uh, you'll learn not only industries, but what are kind of the margin ranges in the industries. Um, so if you, it'll help you spot, if you do a competitive analysis, for example, and research a company's competitors, you will find if they have a margin that is higher, substantially higher, substantially lower than the kind of average that you've seen in the industry, that will give you some insight into if this company is a potentially great investment, if it has competitive advantages, if, it's, if the margin is higher, might have competitive advantages, might have excellent management, might have uh, be extremely efficient, or if the margins are significantly lower, they may have the complete opposite problems. They may be at a competitive disadvantage. They may be having management issues. They may be having investment issues, operational issues, those kind of things. So it'll give you insight into those kind of things as well. Uh, so not only does my process now and what I teach and what I show on the blog and what I teach just paying students, um, what I show on the blog for free and in videos in our other series for free, that's literally the exact process I go through. Uh, every time I evaluate a company, uh, I never use stock screeners anymore again, other than that one situation I mentioned. Um, and it's helped me not only learn a vast array of industries faster, helps me get rid of crap companies faster because my process takes 10 minutes to go through a company at, at most um, unless I'm doing some kind of video and then I have to slow down and talk and explain things which is what you've seen if you've seen the other videos it takes a little bit longer to do that but 10 minutes at most to evaluate a company uh, which helps you get rid of crap companies faster which helps you find great potential investments faster uh, and you learn again you're learning a ton along the way so when you're and versus when you're looking at a stock screen, you're just kind of looking at numbers and numbers are important, but there is more to companies than just the numbers. Uh, again, there are nuances kind of like what, what I started about here. There are nuances. Um, everything's not black and white. 
there are a ton of gray areas. Your criteria will be different than my criteria. My criteria is different on depending what company or what industry the company is, depending on their company's quality of management that I perceive them to have, depending on their margins, uh, depending on their balance sheet strength, depending on their valuation. Um, there's nuances in all these things, and frankly, those aren't picked up in the any stock screener I know of. So that's why the process I use now and why I don't use stock screeners. Uh, I get this question on a, like I said, a very regular basis. You don't use stock screeners. Why don't you use stock screeners? What stock screeners do you use? Um, because most people assume people use stock screeners, um, but I don't use them. I haven't for years, and frankly, because I don't find much value in them anymore. They are a good starting point if you're starting out. Um, but again, once you get past a certain level, the nuances will kind of eliminate a lot of these companies, and or at least a lot of the good companies that may be may be potential diamonds in the rough that you just need to do a little bit more research on. You won't even see those in many stock screeners because of the criteria you put in there. So um, I hope this helped. I hope you learned something from this video. I hope you found some value in this video. Uh, make sure to go back and watch our My Thought series, which should be linked below, whether you're watching this on YouTube or the blog or wherever you're watching this. That playlist will be linked below. We talk about things like my thoughts on retirement plans and why most of the time they're overrated and oftentimes scams. Uh, why don't invest in gold and silver? Um, what else do we talk about in this series? Uh, diversification and asset allocation. Uh, all these kind of things we talk about in this series. Um, we've got our case study series, which I mentioned already, talking about free case studies, real world case studies on real world companies um, that we're doing right now. Uh, there's free training video series uh, where I go through different new uh, again some of these nuances that I was talking about different metrics and do training videos on these there's our value investing in your car series with book reviews um, book reviews I tell you about the three most useful investing metrics the three most useless investing metrics um, and all sorts of different stuff in that series again all these playlists should be linked left right below uh, and if you are watching this on YouTube, make sure to sub like, su uh, share, and subscribe if you found value of this. And if you subscribe, make sure to hit the notification bell so you're notified any time we release a new video. Um, we're releasing new videos every day or almost every day. And that way you'll be notified any time I release a new video on YouTube. And you'll get it first before even people in some of our subscription services do, depending on what subscription services people are paying for. Uh, sometimes weeks before the blog gets it. Uh, because we plan out our blog posts sometimes weeks in advance. Uh, but you'll be first notified if you subscribe and hit the notification bell on YouTube. Uh, thanks for watching. And again, I hope you enjoyed this. And I'll talk to you again soon. Thanks. Bye.